Psalms 126 and verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. And for a little while this afternoon or this morning, I want to preach on this topic from the word of God, doubtless. What we read in the word, what we've just read, the Bible says it is doubtless. Those who continually go for weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing their sheaves with him. God bless you. you may be seated. Give honor to brother and sister Johns, thankful for their leadership and the privilege to serve the Lord under their guidance. Look what the Lord has done. You ever had to say that before? Just look what the Lord has done. This is the jubilant sentiment that marks the beginning of Psalms 126. Verse 1 says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. And then when God did his win, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And so we personalized it and could only say, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Look what the Lord has done. It's like a dream come true. Our gratitude could not be contained. Our sorrow has turned into laughter. Our lamentation into a joyful song. Even our neighbors, strangers, friends, and co-workers and family, they could not help but notice and testify the great things God has done for us. And all we can say is, it's true. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. This was the song of God's people in the Old Testament. This was the song of God's people in the New Testament. And this is the song of God's people in the 21st century. Like a delightful dream come true, he healed my body. It was like a dream come true, but he touched my mind. It was like a dream come true, but he saved me just in time. Look what the Lord has done. He's done great things for me, and I am glad. But, but I understand, and you know, and we're all human. So even on a day like today, we can sit here and say, but that was then, and this is now. And uh, I don't know, but let me just tell you, now is not favorable. 
And, and, and that was great for them over there back then, but here in present and now, I'm in a situation, and this is a different story, a different chapter, and I don't think the song ends like that. But it was so for them as well. So it's nothing new today. So we get to verse 4, and what they've just exclaimed in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 3, now they're in the present situation, distressed. And so they sing, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Lord, you are great, and you have done great things, but I stand in need of you again. Lord, my faith is stretched thin again. Lord, I don't know if you're aware, but the reality of my situation is arrayed against me again. So like the winter rains bring those life-giving water to the arid deserts of the south, Lord, I need you to do it again. I need you to restore my soul again. I need you to replenish what has been lost or given again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Anybody need God to do a miracle for you again today? Anybody need God to turn an unfavorable situation into a joyous celebration? Anybody need your prognosis to become a testimony of a miraculous healing? Anybody need to reconcile a relationship that seemingly has been shattered in a thousand pieces? Anybody need God to replenish the loss of a sacrificial offering? Or you need God to provide the God factor blessing he led you to make in your imagined vision commitment? I don't know today what you need God to do, but what I do know, if he did it before, he will do it again. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I also know that if he did it for them, and them, and them, and them, he'll do it for me, and he'll do it for you. He is a God who will do it Again, and this is why we know this to be true. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing or planting, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bearing their sheaves with him. You see, your present distress is not the end. The gift difficulty of sustained financial discipline is not the end. The tangible felt cost of sacrificial giving is not the end. They are but the means to a miracle because this is the foundational and broadly applicable truth and principle of the word of God. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And just in case you fall like me, pray 
to the idea where it's always about them, but never about me. And you're saying, yeah, that's good. I'll even shout for it. But I, but I think it's for him and her and them. Just in case that's you, they kept writing the song. And verse 6 is now not about them. It's about you. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again rejoicing now, bearing sheaves with him. Everybody say to whomever you like, that's me. Some of you didn't say anything. There is nobody here you like. Wow. Welcome to the church. This is the place for you. Amen. He who continually, he who continually goes out to sow seeds. I know you sowed last season. I know you sowed and labored in the last year. I know you gave in the last offering, but he who continually goes out weeping to sow because the blessing that God rained on you in the last season wasn't for you to consume in this season. It was for you to enjoy bread in this season, but it was also for you to sow again in a new season. And guess what? When you sow, it always generates figurative or even literal tears of weeping, of discomfort, and the tears of uncertainty. Sowing season, the weather is rarely comfortable in sowing season. The risk of too much rain or the risk of too little rain is acutely felt when you release seeds unto the ground to plant and the reality is the seed is all you have to sustain you and your family. And that leads you and me to real world questions like, am I sowing what I should be saving? And will I ever get back what I am giving up? And will I have enough left to provide for my needs. Those are real questions. You don't have to ask your, you don't have to raise your hand, but you might have asked that question or one of those questions. And if you didn't, I did. But God's answer is clear. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seeds for showing, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. You, my brother, and you, my sister, can trust the Lord of the harvest. He always keeps his word. Amen. When you plant seeds of good stewardship and you plant seeds in obedient sacrifice, you shall doubtless you shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, saying, look what the Lord has done. I have no idea. He blew my mind. I didn't even like it. Why did he put that amount in my head? He doesn't even know my bank account. But I just said, yes, Lord. And when I obeyed him, it was like my wildest dreams have come true. I never could imagine. Look 
what the Lord has done. Let's consider wheat. And all your gluten-free people can just shudder under the power of wheat. One of the ancient grains that what was true for them is still true for us in the 21st century. And according to the University of Nebraska, one seed of winter red wheat typically will produce five heads on a plant and those five heads will typically have 22 kernels of wheat on them so that that is 110 seeds per plant so that one seed planted produces 110 kernels of wheat. I know that's math, but that just means one becomes big, really big, exponentially big, and that's how seeds become sheaths because one planted and not consumed becomes 110 seeds to enjoy in harvest season. Seed is precious. We don't make light of seed. It's not to be casually tossed aside or just thrown to the winds. It is literally your bread money. But if all you have is enough wheat seeds to sow a mere quarter of an acre, what some of you may live on, and assuming only an 80% germination rate to be scientific about it. Those nine pounds of seeds that it will take you to sow a quarter of an acre, that's about 150,000 tiny kernels of wheat. Those, that wheat, that seed will produce 9.275 bushels of wheat, which is 9,275,000 kernels of wheat which is about 557 pounds of wheat flour on your quarter acre. And that is how five loaves of bread you don't consume worth the seed becomes 356 loaves of bread you get to enjoy in harvest season. And if you really want to stretch deep and plant a, an entire acre which will require 36 pounds of seed or 600,000 kernels of wheat, it will produce 37.1 bushels, and that is 37,100,000 kernels of wheat or 22,220 pounds of whole wheat flour, and that is how 23 loaves of bread not consumed becomes 1,427 loaves of bread you get to enjoy, and that's what I call a good return. Sign me up. I'll invest today. I know it's math, and it's over. That is not the manipulated message of a spiritual charlatan trying to fleece you out of gullible money and think you're going to get rich quick. That isn't about a passive spiritual lottery that you play and hope you hit the heavenly jackpot. It is about the divine law of sowing and reaping that the word of God declares, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. It's a law that transcends chaotic geo and political events. 
It is a law that is unaffected by economic slowdowns and is immune to inflation. It is a doubtless law of the word of God. And Psalms 126 stands on its own, but it is not alone. The Bible is replete with passages that indisputably affirm this foundational truth of sowing and reaping. And we could study the scriptures for weeks, and I have bullet points and notes I had to just give up on, but it'll be fun studying later. But for the sake of your time today, let's take a brief tour and see what else does the Bible say about this law. Proverbs 11 and 24. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will be watered himself. Generosity, according to the Bible, produces wealth. Greed or hoarding produces poverty. It is the law of sowing and reaping. We see it again when the Lord, through the prophet Malachi, calls on post-exile Israel to repent and turn fully to him. God begins his appeal by saying, I am the Lord and I do not change. So we should not be surprised that God called them to demonstrate their trust and repentance and obedience to his word through their faithfulness in giving what God had asked them to give. Malachi 3 and 10. God said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, that's when God flexes his muscles. The Lord of angel armies. I, I'm not just dude, guy down the road, you know, great wise one in the sky. I am the God of heaven's armies. And if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And then all the nations will call you blessed, and your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God says, if you will do what I call you to do, if you will obey in faith, if you will sow the seeds that I call you to sow, I will take over from there. I will bless you. It won't be your boss. It won't be some mysterious uh, check in the mail. It won't be this, that, or the other that you can try to figure out. Can you win the spiritual lottery? No, I will do it. I might use those tools, 
but it's going to be all about me. I will open up the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing on you. And you don't have the capacity emotionally, mentally, your bank account, your accountant. You don't have legal work prepared to handle the blessings that I will pour out in your life. Their giving was the demonstration of their faithfulness to covenant. And God said, if you will give to meet the needs of my house, I will so overwhelm you with blessing, you'll be able to meet the needs of your house. And so we move into the New Testament. Luke is recording and records Jesus teaching his disciples the governing principles of his church. And it's kind of Luke capturing what Matthew captures, and we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And so Luke is giving us his view and, and his recollection. And, and Jesus teaches us as his disciples that we are to love our enemies, that we are to do good, and that we are to give generously without any expectation of return. But notice, what, notice what happens when we do what God asks us to do. Luke 6 and 37, Jesus says, judge not and you shall not be judged. That's a good trade. Have mercy on a fellow human and I, the Lord God, will have mercy on you. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And I know and you probably know the resume of sins that God has forgiven us of. So when I think about there, there's not anything you can do to me that isn't worth me forgiving you of because when I forgive you of whatever it is, uh, what I am forgiven of, that is an exponential return, ladies and gentlemen. But that's not all. Give. And it will be given to you. And here is the extravagant measure of God's return. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Using that biblically familiar illustration of grain, Jesus compares the blessings that he wants to lavish on you and me when we align to his priorities. He says, it's like your life is a basket of grain. And when you come before me and do what I ask you to do, I take your life, that basket of grain, and I began to just pour seeds and pour sustenance and pour blessings into the basket of your life. But I don't just come by and dump a handful or just kind of sling some blessings across the congregation. I press it down into your life. I keep pressing it down. Hey, they can handle a little more. Gabriel, pour it right here. And I press it down into your life. And then I press it down a little more. And then I don't even stop there. I shake your basket. I want all the air pockets out of it so that you can maximize the containment of what I want to bless you with. 
And then when I'm done with that, I don't just level it off and send you on your way. I keep pouring it up so that it becomes a heaping blessing and it's overflowing the basket of your life and you're scrambling to keep all the blessings and I just keep pouring it on you. It's pressed down. It's shaken together. It's heaping over. It's overflowing. It is the law of sowing and reaping. And does that sound familiar? This is the doubtless, extravagant, exponential blessing of God that he grants to those who will take him at his word. It's the law of sowing and reaping. We see it again when Paul calls the Philippian church to express their appreciation to him. Philippians 4 and 16. For even in Thessalonica, Paul writes, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. You did it once, you did it again. Thank you, Philippians. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul says, you do well to uh, support my missionary efforts, but it's not because I need your gift. My, my God can do all things through, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul says, I don't need you to give because I need your money. God will support me somehow, some way. I want you to give because I want you to reap the abounding reward and harvest that only God can give you. Philippians 4 and 18, indeed, Paul says, I have all and I abound. You've been generous to me. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smelling, swelling, smelling, hopefully not swelling, sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Paul uses the language of the Old Testament they understood of a burnt sacrifice that God delighted in. And Paul says, when you give to help me advance church planning, I want you to know, Philippians, it is a sweet-smelling, acceptable, God-pleasing act on your part. But Paul's not done. And Paul says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul said, I, I can never repay you, but my God can and my God will. And you're going to reap exponentially more than you sowed. You have met my need, but God will meet all of your needs no matter how long the list because it is the doubtless law, sowing and reaping. It's not the only, it's not just about the witness of the Bible, though that is the unassailable truth of who, what God says. It is the witness of member after member, after member, after member who attend this local church and shake your hand and call you brother or sister. They have given in obedience to God and they have reaped the exponential miraculous blessings of God's harvest. Miracles like a check arriving five days after the move the mission offering that was more than two times the amount pledged. Miracles like additional closing costs being provided by the seller unasked of that covered the money that had been given in a sacrificial offering. Miracles like the Veterans Administration, that very well-run government agency, monthly supplement 
being granted that more than offset the monthly commitment that was made to the imagined vision. Others have received unexpected and often unexplained credits to their vendor accounts and deposits to their banks. I checked mine between services. <laughs> Not really, but maybe after this one. In fact, there are numerous testimonies of unexpected checks and deposits from great welfare considering generous state like the IRS and the Atlanta Gas and Light and insurance companies and mortgage companies. Can you imagine? And yet there are others who have received new vehicles in this church. There are others who have received unexpected bonuses and promotions and pay raises that have always more than covered what they gave sacrificially to move the mission and Christmas for Christ and faith promised the world missions and the imagined vision. Why, why is that true? Because Jesus and the Bible and God declares he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. Time fails me to adequately remind you, and time is failing to adequately remind you of the widow with only a handful of meal left in her barrow in First King barrel in First Kings seventeen. But when she gave it to the prophet Elijah, her seed of obedient faith was miraculously transformed into an abundant harvest of flour that the Bible says lasted her through the entire famine. Or what about the widow, widows, those who were at the bottom of the, of the spectrum of society for being able to help themselves? This widow with only a jar of oil left, no assets, her sons in danger of being sold into slavery to pay her debts. But when she obeyed the prophet Elijah and gathered those vessels into her home, her seed of obedient faith was miraculously transferred into an overflowing harvest of a bottomless jar of oil that she could not contain. Or the boy with a small lunch of two fish sticks and five saltines, but when he sacrificially gave it to Jesus, seeing that so many were hungry, his little lunch, the seed of a little lunch became a miraculous buffet that God fed 5,000 men plus women and children. It is the law of sowing and reaping, and it is doubtless settled forever in heaven. Without a doubt, this law has broad and full application in our lives, but practically today, in our annual Christmas for Christ offering, that's what we are doing today. It's such an amazing and special time in the life and history of our church. But it is the opportunity where you and I, as members of this local church, are able to give our best gift to Jesus Christ in the Christmas season. Christmas for Christ provides you and I the opportunity where we can invest in church planners like the Philippian Christians invested in Paul in the same way, through Christmas for Christ, you and I are investing in people who are advancing the kingdom of God. And when we give our best gift to Jesus Christ. And so I think it fitting 
to simply quote the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Corinthian Christians about another opportunity to invest in a work that was beyond their local church. And this is what Paul wrote, and it might sound familiar. Remember this, he said in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide, everybody say all, all you need. And then you will, everybody say always, have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's worth investing in. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So if you're able and you would like to be a part of this amazing thing, amazing day, in front of you in a chair back pocket is a card that looks like this. And I'd like you to take it out. You can put your name. There's other requests there, but ultimately just your name is what matters most. You can check whatever amount the God has directed you to give or will speak to you in the next few moments. You can put another amount, whatever is right for you. And then you have a space to sign or write a note, whatever you would like. This is how today that we are going to bring our commitment to God and we simply are striving to give by the end of the year. Today we're committing. You can give today, but today we're committing to give to Christmas for Christ between now and the end of the year. It is between you and God. It's not what about what I think. It's not about what your neighbor thinks. It is between you and God. Don't give reluctantly. I'm not pressuring you to give a dollar. God doesn't need your dollar, but you need to give it. Just whatever God has spoken to you and your spouse is applicable, that's what you commit to. He's the Lord of the harvest. And you know what? You can trust him. He knows exactly what you need. And he's not only going to meet your need always, He's going to give you plenty that is left over. He's the Lord of the harvest. I wonder if you would just holding that card, join me and let's ask God to, to bless and to speak to us right now in this place. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the clarity of your word. God, I understand the stereotypes of preachers preaching a message about giving. And Lord God, I, I, there's not much we can do about that, but we stand on your word. And we simply declare what thus saith the word of God. And you do not need me to make a defense of your truth. It stands on its own. It is alive and powerful and quick. It is forever etched in eternity. And God, we can never outgive you. And whatever you speak to us or whatever you have spoken to us, 
to give to help the church planner as the Philippians helped Paul. I know, Lord, that as Paul assured them, you will supply all of our needs. You will do that which is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or ever even imagine. You will press it down and shake it and overflow in our lives. God, the reward and the blessing that you seek for us to harvest when we sow in alignment to your word and the priorities of your kingdom. I'm asking you, Lord God, that you would speak. I'm asking you, Lord God, for the affirmation of your Holy Spirit to touch people right now. Let them feel the glory and the wonder of your Shekinah walking through our midst even right now. Let the voice of God speak with clarity, God, in an undeniable manner right even in this moment. God, we come before you with humble adoration. Lord, it feels like it's just a handful. It feels like what, what good can this little do? But God, when we sow it in the ground of sacrifice, one becomes 110. and Five loaves become 356 loaves of blessing. Lord, do it again. God, do it again. Let the testimonies of your power and glory, God, explode from this place again, God. As we again come sowing with tears of sacrifice, we shall doubtless come again rejoicing. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I wonder if you'd take that card now and whatever the Lord is speaking to you, however that is, I just invite you to write that amount. In a moment, we're going to come and we're going to lay them on the front. If you're not able, you're able to drop them in the kiosk in the back. You can even do this online. An email was sent out. A text will follow this service. But there's something about a statement of faith and belief, of bringing it to the front, sowing it, trusting God to honor his word. In the first service, while we were praying in the altar, a sister had what I would call a vision. With her eyes closed, she saw, as it were, doors all across the ceiling of this sanctuary. And they were above all many people that were praying in the nine o'clock service. And she saw those doors open and she saw blessing and treasures coming down into the lives of the people who were here. And whatever that represented according to the word of God is pretty clear. I believe it can happen in this 1130 in the same dimension. If you're able, please stand. We're going to come in just a moment. We're going to bring our commitments and lay them on the platform. But then we're going to turn this place into a prayer meeting. Front to back, side to side. We're going to turn this entire place into a prayer meeting and every place joining us online. The good news today is what I have preached from the word of God is not just applicable to our giving. 
It is applicable to every area of our life, including that most important area of my relationship with Jesus Christ. No matter how far you may feel from God today, he's near to you. He knows you. And he's waiting on you. He's a God you can know and be fully known and a God who still loves you. No matter the list of sins that haunt you and you think makes you not a candidate for God to use, you're the perfect candidate. And today, if you will sow literally or figuratively the tears of repentance, God will turn it into the joy of his salvation. It's like joy unspeakable and full of glory. And when you sow tears of intercessory prayer, brother or sister, child of God, you will reap an exponential harvest of deliverance, blessing, healing, salvation of loved ones, because those tears are never wasted. They're seeds. It's the doubtless law of sowing and reaping. So as you're able, and if you would, would you join us up front and would you just bring your commitment card with you and would you just lay them all across this platform? You can fold it in half to protect your identity for your sake if you like. I'm inviting you to come forward now. Whether you have this or not, I'm inviting you to come and join us. We're gonna turn this into a place of prayer. You don't have to give today for God to minister to you. God knows where you're at. He knows your situation. You just have to be obedient to him. If you feel estranged from God and if you're wondering, is there even a God? Is he really who he says he is? I want you to know that today, God will confirm his sovereign deity to you. He is who he says he is. He's your Lord. He's your savior. He's your provider. He loves you. He cares for you. Thank you for coming. As you come, don't return back to your seats. Just leave room for those who are coming behind you. And let's begin to turn. Let's turn this place into a house of prayer. Let's turn this sanctuary front to back, from the back doors to the sides. Let's turn this into a place of prayer. Every place joining us online, would you make this a house of prayer wherever you're at? Let's call upon the Lord of the harvest. Would you call upon him? Whatever your need is today, he's able to supply that need. If you need a miracle of healing, I believe God will heal your body today. If you need clarity of the next decision you have to make, I believe God will give you wisdom today. If you need a breakthrough, it can happen today. If you need deliverance from an addiction, God will break it on your behalf today and you will reap the joy of freedom and liberty in Jesus Christ. All across this place, would you lift up your voice? Maybe close your eyes if you're comfortable and would you call upon the Lord of the harvest? Would you begin to pour out your needs to him in faith, believing? Let's do that. He's as close as the mention of his name. He will baptize you with his spirit today. He will wash away your sins if you'll be baptized today. 